Hey everybody, welcome to the show, Feeling Well, Just Ralph here, and this is another piece of bonus content, our second installment of Dragon Ball Z from memory. I remember not long after recording the first episode, I had a DBZ-related memory. This is how long my relationship with Dragon Ball is. I I had a memory from when my parents were married, which is really like, for me, prehistory. Like, it, it feels like something before the actual recorded record. It feels like something that predates the Ralph canon. I mean, my parents were married until I was nine. You know, that's not uh, that young in terms of long-term memories. But I have very few memories from that time. I don't know if that's a trauma thing, if I just wiped the memory card because I... Uh, or, uh, you know, wipe the hard drive because I didn't want to contend with the pain of that event. But anyway, I have a distinct memory. I was babbling like an idiot as a little kid about uh, Dragon Ball Z, I'm sure, uh, in this car ride home. And as I, I remember as we're entering the old house, the, the first place I remember living in. I lived in an apartment in Queens with my mother and father when I was uh, a tot. But I don't really remember that. But I have vague memories of this house in Long Island. Um, and uh, we're, we're, we're coming through the door. And my father, he um, he ventured a quip. He said, uh, Dragon Ball Z, Ball Z dragons. He just kind of, he just kind of offered that verbal formation, you know, Dragon Ball Z rearranged it. Ball Z dragons. You know, as if to say, dragons that are ballsy, referring to their testicles. They have nerve, they're ballsy, uh, however you want to interpret it. And I distinctly remember, so devoted was I to this this media franchise, I was like kind of offended by that. You know, it's like he was uh, making light of my religion. Uh, he was like, ballsy dragons. <laughs> you know, kind of chuckling, looking at my mother, and I was kind of like, hmm, do you... You fuck, how dare you, you know? How dare you not take this this uh, insipid Japanese cartoon that I won't shut it up about seriously. Not only are you gonna not take it seriously, you're gonna try and mock it with your, with your, 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 I guess it's not a portmanteau. I don't know, whatever you would call it. It's a, uh, what's the word? Your, uh, fuck, I don't know, folks. I'm, 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 I'm on quarantine. I'm sitting here in my room. I've got a, uh, I've got a uh, kind of a salty dog, gimlet, hybrid drink. I've got some Evan Williams with some lime juice. I squeezed myself in salt. I don't know if there were, people were clamoring for another installment of this. I don't know if there was much demand, but I'm here in quarantine. I wanted to be productive. I want to, you know, I want to help people. I saw a tweet. That said that people right now, you know, many people are being uh, afforded the luxury of working from home so that they're not exposed to the uh, coronavirus. Not counted among those people are those who work at grocery stores and the service industry. Uh, Not only are they still working, but they have to uh, contend with uh, the panicked populace trying to uh, stock up on food items and toiletries and the like and it's it's been you know a little taste of pandemonium and i saw someone tweet that these people in in the throes of this crisis are akin to 
first responders. You know, they not only are they not going to be allowed to work from home, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, they have to continue working for the rest of our continued well-being. And uh, I would agree with that. I would say, yeah, they are they are akin to uh, first responders. So am I. So are podcasters. You know, because I'm 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 creating this dispatch here uh, by my lonesome. Lloyd is not here, though. Like the previous episode, I'm sure the idea of Lloyd, he's like a structuring absence, will, will kind of haunt the episode. But I'm 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 stopping to create this here for you amidst my quarantine so that yours may be more bearable. I am I am commodifying my involuntary solitude, uh, creating this episode for you, talking about this ubiquitous old children's anime. So if you didn't listen to the first episode, it probably doesn't matter. I mean, if you give a shit, you should go back and listen to it because I don't want to waste too much time recapping what I summarized in the first episode. Um, but if you're familiar with DBZ, it won't matter. And if you're not and you don't care and you just want to hear a voice droning on in the background as you go about your business as a kind of just ambient comfort, then you don't have to either. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. So anyway... Where I left off last time was Goku and Piccolo had just, uh, they battled Raditz, the Saiyan from outer space, and in doing so, Goku had sacrificed his life. You know, he had had Raditz in a headlock, and Piccolo used his special beam cannon to skewer the two of them. Uh, But before he died, Raditz told Piccolo that two more Saiyans, even more powerful than him, Vegeta and Nappa, would be coming to the earth in one year's time. And, um, you know, Piccolo uh, elected to take Goku's son, Gohan, who had previously, uh, he was kidnapped by Raditz, and in the fight, he actually, uh, he, he, he uh, at the height of his anger, assaulted Raditz and actually put a dent in his armor and injured him. He attacked him. Um, and then that made Piccolo go, fuck, this kid's got potential, you know? And if we have to fight these fucking hairy fucks from outer space, these Saiyans, uh, you know, we're going to need all the help we can get. We're going to need all hands on deck. So while Goku was previously my enemy, his self-sacrifice made me respect him a little bit more. But I'm going to take his son and I'm going to nurture this this apparent flair for combat. I'm going to nurture this talent. I'm going to train him because Lord knows, leave him with, leave him with Chi-Chi, leave him with Master Roshi or Krillin. They're not going to tap into it. They're going to need a little, he's going to have to take a little bit of a trip to the school hard knocks, you know, with uh, Principal Piccolo. And in the meanwhile, the other Z fighters, the kind of B league that fill out the bench, Tian, Yamcha, Chiaotsu, Krillin, they begin training and Goku, who is dead, we join him in the uh, afterlife or what they call the afterworld. And Goku, he's kind of in like the port authority of purgatory, you know, and in this world, all of all of the the, the, the stations and whatnot, they're staffed by these uh, 
these little troll men, you know, they're, they're like different colors, you know, the different primary colors, blue, red, and they have these, uh, horns protruding from, uh, their scalps. And, uh, Goku is in like this, this lobby and he's joined by Kami, the, the kind of Namekian demigod. It's a very polytheistic world, DBZ. You know, uh, shortly we'll be introduced to King Kai. Uh, Kami tells Goku, you know, you, you got to traverse this pathway known as uh, Snake Way. And uh, we're in the clouds and there's this like long uh, stone snake, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this stone serpent that uh, goes, goes ahead beyond the, uh, the horizon line, beyond the vanishing point. Um, this, this sculpted serpent with a, with a walkway on top and, uh, Kami tells Goku, he has to, uh, travel, uh, across snake way. And at the end he will meet a man by the name of King Kai. Um, and King Kai is going to train him in the afterlife. Basically the plan is Goku has to, he has to traverse snake way. He reaches King Kai. King Kai is going to train him. And then when it's go time, when the Saiyans arrive, they're going to use the Dragon Ball. Somehow, I forget the logistics, but there's been a powwow between uh, like the kind of like the, the Z fighters on Earth, Kami and Goku. I forget how they all, uh, uh, you know, uh, hash this out. I don't have the, the meeting minutes, but uh, somehow it's understood that Goku has to... Uh, travel across Snake Way, meet up with this King Kai fellow who's kind of like this demigod. And as I say, it's a very polytheistic world because on Earth, like Kami kind of seemed like the head honcho, but Kami's immortal. But I guess King Kai is also immortal because he he dies at a later point. But, you know, Kais are kind of like mayors of different stretches of the universe. You know, I think it's later revealed that he's like, you know, we meet like King Kai West and East and there's like the four of them, but then there's like meta Kais called like Supreme Kais. And then like, apparently back in the day, we learned the Boo saga way, way ahead of where we are now. There's a grand Supreme Kai, but whatever at the moment, King Kai is like the foremost, uh, celestial authority we're aware of in the lore, in the universe. And he's going to train Goku. And apparently he's like really the shit and Goku's training with him is what's going to make the difference in the fight against the Saiyans. So Goku begins running down snake way and snake way is long as shit. So he has to rush, you know, and the whole snake way thing is milked for a lot of filler in the anime. Uh, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, uh, Dragon Ball Z is notorious for its filler because uh, the manga was actually being written alongside the production of the anime. So when Akira Toriyama was still making the 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 text on which the cartoon is premised, they had to kind of stretch things out so they would um, invent these uh, other plot lines or simply have episodes that kind of recycle earlier beats or have entire episodes in which people are just kind of mean mugging each other and powering up. You know, uh, much of the series really has this uh, glacial pace that is almost like 
comparable to slow cinema or something. You know, uh, if you were to watch uh, some certain 12 episodes of DBZ in secession, it's almost like fucking Bellatar, you know, it's like Satan's tango. It's just people uh, either kind of uh, yelling and powering up or hovering in the air, just kind of standing around. It's a real patience tester if you have a developed mind. And yet it never, I don't remember it really bothering me as a kid. I would just kind of eat it up. So, so fervent was my devotion, you know, uh, that's how much of a convert I was. I was just happy to get whatever slop in the trough. Uh, but I do remember that like in the anime, certain episodes would be way better animated than others. Like some episodes, like the characters would just be like bristling with detail and like every vein just fucking popping. And they'd be like kind of colored and shadowed with what resembled the degree of care. And then some would just look like dog shit. Like Goku's nose would be like curiously fucked up. And whenever there was, those were probably the filler episodes. The filler episodes probably are the ones that looked like shit because anything that was not filler had a Toriyama's original um, illustrations to uh, draw upon. So the filler is probably what looked like dog shit. Though there are entire seasons that are filler that don't look too bad, but I guess if it's a whole season, they probably involve Toriyama in some way. He probably presided over it, whereas the ones that were just kind of made to um, to uh, pad things out between issues of the manga that they would then adapt, those are probably what sucked more. Anyway, some of the kind of um, filler uh, uh, adventures that we find as Goku runs across Snake Way... Uh, the the only two that I remember these may be the only two first he uh, he he happens upon this snake lady she's like this kind of Medusa figure you know she's like she's like an anthropomorphic uh, human figure but she has like green blue skin and and this like puffy orange hair and I don't really remember what happens but like she tries to i think seduce goku i think that it's like a riff on medusa she wants to somehow ensnare goku she feeds him first she's talking him up she's trying to entrap him in some way i forget what her powers are but of course folks what did i say in the first episode goku, uh, goku is forever unhorned up you know the feminine wiles uh, Goku is susceptible to them. He is never horny. He is everything that Lloyd Howell aspires to be. You know, the, the promise of puss is not going to lead him astray. Now, of course, humorously, Goku loves to eat, so he's not going to pass up a chance to get a free meal. But he's not going to make a meal of that fucking snake lady gash. All right? That snake lady pussy. No, thank you. Check, please. <laughs> So I forget how that pans out exactly. I know the filler less well because I also read the manga and all that, and like that, like that's like reinforced in my head. But he somehow, um, he somehow uh, foils the, the 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 schemes of this of this uh, you know this this uh, this uh, snake hoe, you know this this trifling ass snake hoe. Her efforts are for naught when met against our hero's dearth of horniness. And so he continues in the other um, uh, the other episode I remember is that he's taking a nap on Snake Way, right? And in his sleep, he kind of 
he he falls off uh, of Snake Way. And apparently Snake Way is this path in the heavens over uh, hell. You know, he lands into like Hellville and he meets two more of those like troll guys with horns, you know, and they're like both big muscular jocks. One is blue and has glasses and the other is red and has kind of like a dumber expression on his face and they're both kind of like dressed like olympiads and like short shorts and tank tops and it's established that i guess hell if snake way and its port authority are like purgatory this is hell and hell is just kind of another neighborhood but it's like full of shitheads you know it's it's kind of like bushwick but um but uh, I, again, I don't really remember this too well, but each of them challenges Goku to some kind of uh, fitness contest, some kind of feat of strength. You know, I think one challenges him to a uh, to a race, another one some some something to do with lifting maybe or whatever. But Goku ends up to, you know, besting the two of them in short order. And next thing we know, he's back on Snake Way. Take a sip of my uh, beverage. Corona. Meanwhile, Gohan, he he wakes up, you know, he had been KO'd by Raditz and he wakes up in the middle of like the fucking, you know, I don't know, the mountains. So much of the show, I guess because it was like easier to animate, like the heroes will often just like fly away to just kind of this mountainous, like kind of uh, deserted stretch of nature. Uh, So Gohan wakes up and uh, he's with this strange green alien who was previously his father's enemy, Piccolo. And uh, he's understandably quite upset. I mean, he's like a little kid, you know, at this point in the series. I don't know if they say how old he is. Uh, I'm not that familiar with the canon, but he's like under 10 years old, you know. And uh, he's crying. He's like, oh, where's my daddy? And Piccolo's like, bitch, uh, he's afraid to you, but your daddy's dead. All right, he got fucking donutted by my special beam cannon, but he'll be back soon. But anyway, you got to start getting stronger because I need you as a child to help me and your father and your father's friends to fight more benevolent uh, Greek uh, aliens, you know, who are going to come and, you know, they might fucking destroy the planet and kill all of us. So we need to make you a more powerful child to assist, you know, I know it's a tough break. I know that ideally you'd be in school or at least not uh, risking life and limb fighting adult aliens, but this is your lot in life. You know, we don't always have control over our fates. There's a lot of things I wanted to do. There was a lot of people I wanted to be. I'm speaking as myself now, not Piccolo, but you know, you have to, you're born at a certain time to a certain family within a certain fictional universe. Sorry, you got to be the eight-year-old who lives in the wilderness by himself, uh, periodically harangued by by a, 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 an uncaring alien who wants to make you more powerful so that you can help your dead father save the earth from a different, even more evil alien race. And I'm sure this will, you know, whether or not you prevail, I'm sure this will be, this will result in lasting trauma that you will not 
unpack until decades later, after which point it'll probably be too late. You know, I know people who go to therapy and, um, it seems like any other crutch, I'm sure it's helpful. I don't want to shit talk it, but a lot of it just kind of, seems like you're just, it's just mutually reinforcing. It's just kind of like, all right, this is another release I have now, like every other release. It makes me feel better in the short term, but the gains, they evaporate and I still have to be in a room with myself at the end of the day and, and, and deal with that because of, you know, they fuck, they fuck you up, your parents. Well, this is kind of beyond your parents, but yeah. So Piccolo starts training Gohan and Gohan at first is inconsolable. Um, and there's a lot of filler here too. Um, in the filler episodes, I think there's one where he, first he has to just like learn to like scavenge for himself, you know, cause he's living in the woods. And, uh, I think there's like a humorous beat where Piccolo, he's, he's like, all right, I'll try and take it easy on the kid. And he like leaves him apples and he's like, oh, apples. And he eats them. And he's like, oh, these are more sour than I remember. And he's like, oh, there's no pleasing this kid or whatever. But there's like a filler episode where I think he befriends, uh, like an herbivore dinosaur, that ends up being killed by a T-Rex. And at first he's scared of the T-Rex, but through just living on his own, he eventually becomes more powerful and he like, he wards off or maybe even he reaches a point where maybe he like bloodily kills the T-Rex and he starts like roasting its tail or so. Or no, I remember now he like, he'll, as he advances in his training, he assumes this routine where he'll kind of uh, knock out the T-Rex in some way and cut off just a just a slab of his tail like how you, like he just cuts off like a medallion of it you know like how you would kind of like uh, slice a sausage into into like little you know coins of meat he like does that with the tail he'll cut off uh, a portion of it and like uh, roast it over an open fire just this uh, this like T-Rex steak medallion and he'll be like thanks see you next time ha 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 it's kind of pretty fucked if, when you stop to think about it but um, Piccolo he like first it's like you know it's like a semester of him like just figuring out how to live on his own and then you know, Piccolo starts training him and whatnot, and eventually, but then one day, folks, what do we know about Goku and his tail? Gohan sees the full moon, and um, he transforms into a great ape, a great monkey, you know, as I said, a uh, uh, an evil gorilla that's like the size of a skyscraper, you know, like a Godzilla, or rather a King Kong-sized uh, rabid ape that can shoot energy blasts out of its mouth and it starts leveling the place starts fucking with Piccolo attacking Piccolo and then Piccolo gets the bright idea of uh, he like sees the moon and he's like fuck the moon and he shoots an energy blast into the sky and blows up the moon sorry folks no more moon and then Gohan uh, resumes his his former state. He goes, and he's just a little kid again. And Piccolo pulls off his tail, better safe than sorry. 
and he is he's you know he's torn through his clothes transforming into this hulking beast so then piccolo with his ambiguous uh piccolo magic he like shoots he you know he zaps him and then like his father's gi goku's gi is his new attire but he puts some kind of spin on it like the like the kanji printed on it is something relating to piccolo i don't remember what but that's like piccolo like signaling like yeah that's my little you know you're my pupil um and go and you know he trains with gohan and gohan becomes stronger and he becomes to gohan and this only becomes stronger throughout the series um you know like a surrogate father figure because goku's not a very good dad uh goku often dies or just fucks off to somewhere for a long time either just because of this or that or training and he'll he'll frequently throughout the series insist that gohan fight alongside him and uh get really fucked up uh he's kind of a nightmare and uh piccolo you know he's like you know goku's gohan's dad but piccolo's his father you know, Piccolo's the one who imparts the lessons. Piccolo's the one who takes the child rearing more seriously. And he just like really has a soft spot for Gohan. Um, you know, he, he, he wants to set Gohan down the right path. Um, and Gohan has a fondness for him in turn. Um, anyway, back to Goku. So Goku, he finally reaches the end of Snake Way. Um, and he looks up and he sees this tiny little planet, you know, like basically like a, a mobile home of a planet. It's very tiny, you know, it's like you can, you can run around the surface of the planet in, in, in like a, a minute. It's like, it's like comically small and it's got like a little house and, uh, and like an Oldsmobile and a, a single tree. Uh, Goku leaps off of Snake Way onto the planet and, um, he uh he there's a monkey a chimpanzee right and goku tries to talk to it it's like are you king kai and it's like (laughs) and he's like fuck i don't know how to speak chimp but i guess this is king kai and so he's like talking to this uh chimp at length and the chimp starts kind of just walking around doing like a chimp dance just you know scratching its armpits and doing this or that and Goku just starts imitating it because he's like oh I don't fucking know this is supposed to be like a supreme deity his ways are very likely different from mine so he just starts uh, aping the chimpanzee just starts copying its its uh, behavior so just uh, in, a, in a in a conga line around the planet they're just both going ooh, ooh, ha, ha, making the, the, the usual monkey gestures until someone sees them and is like what the fuck and Goku stops, and then, okay, this is actually King Kai. And King Kai is, like, this weird, stocky, like, blue beetle man in a, in a, in a kimono or whatever you would call it. And he talks like this. <laughs> you know, and um, he's like, yeah, I'm King Kai. I'm going to fucking train you. And so the first... Order the first part of the training is that Goku has to catch the chimp who we learn his name is Bubbles, and that of course is a reference to Michael Jackson's chimpanzee Bubbles. Uh, as I said, um, Dragon Ball is full of um, 
eighties, uh, American pop culture references. So, and I remember not too long ago reading an article, checking in on bubbles, like apparently after Michael Jackson died, he was just kind of shipped to this run of the mill fucking zoo and who knows where. And, you know, apparently he's, you know, he's, he's old and ailing and fat and there was like a picture attached to the article. He did not look good. He looked sad and gray and on his way out. And you have to think, damn, you know, he had the greatest fall off of any other member of his species. You know, he was the most famous, most pampered, I assume, chimpanzee ever, um, you know, with the king of pop. Uh, you know, probably occasionally he was, uh, you know, an, uh, an instrument uh, to the end of child molestation, you know, like, oh, hey, me bubbles, you know, and if he has any, you know, if he's cognizant of that as at all as, as, as a creature, um, that probably weighs heavy on his mind, but he probably doesn't, you know, he probably didn't know what was going on. He probably has no notion of, of, of a pedophilia or sexual norms as a chimpanzee. I, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how they discriminate. They probably just, you know, I've read that, that, that they have wars just like humans, that they like kill each other's babies. He probably doesn't give a shit, even if he did understand that he was, he was, you know, he was uh, engaging in it, you know, if he was raping the kids, he probably didn't care. But, um, you know, he was, he had this extravagant lifestyle. He probably had, a, you know, probably allowed to roam free, uh, you know, across Neverland Ranch. And now his, I don't know how long Michael Jackson had him. I don't, he probably didn't have him until the end. Uh, fun fact, Michael Jackson actually died on the day of my high school graduation. It's not interesting, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, at some point he had to just live like a regular, a regular schmuck, a regular, uh, well, I guess not a regular chimp, but a, a chimp in a zoo. And he looked real sad. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that their, their consciousness is, is, is advanced so much that they can feel something like regret, but maybe it is. You know, imagine his psychic experience. You're a chimp. You're in the fucking jungle. You're captured. You're in captivity. The the strangest human in the world adopts you. You live in the lap of luxury, and then eventually, um, a uh, a celebrity doctor gives your your owner, you know, ninety seven Xanax at once, and he dies. And then you just got to fucking eat shit in captivity. It's got to hurt. I remember I was reading this book called Suicide. Shows you where my mental state is at lately. You know, shows you how happy I am. And in the book, he makes the point that, uh, you know, people who commit suicide, what really hurts us psychologically is um, when we when we lose something or rather when our standard of living, um, is, is, is degraded, even if you're like a rich person and then you are just kind of like, uh, downgraded to a lifestyle that is still reasonably comfortable, but not as good. That deficit, that difference, that change, 
that you're you're sliding backward that like really triggers us psychically you know like that is the hardest thing to contend with because people you know if they white knuckle it people can like adapt to pretty much anything but it's that period of transitioning into something worse that really induces like um like 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 a a critical sort of unhappiness and anxiety that can often result in extreme behavior or suicide and that's what you know bubbles experienced um and to my knowledge he hasn't self-harmed but based on that picture and the content of that article he didn't look too happy so prayers up for bubbles but anyway the bubbles of dbz goku has to catch bubbles and what i forgot to mention is that on king kai's planet uh gravity is the gravity is 10 times that of earth meaning like you know you, you, you constantly feel weighted down so goku is already um he's already uh, compromised by that he's already feeling that but he has to catch this this chimp on top of it and so he's struggling and struggling to catch this 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 wily chimpanzee and eventually he does uh and then the next thing he has to do is that uh king kai has this uh like uh uh like fast talking quipping uh cricket this uh this little cricket character i think his name is gregory He's like, ah, oh, wise guy, huh? I think that's like his random affectation is sounding like a, either like a Catskills comedian or just like a, a 1930s movie gangster. Just something weird like that. Just like this Jiminy Cricket ass fucking, he may even be a filler character. I don't remember. But the next thing Goku has to do is that he has to bonk him on the head with a mallet. And it's just another thing where he has to chase him and catch him and whatever. Eventually he does it. Just a moment. And then Goku finally starts to train with the man himself, King Kai. And what he teaches him, he teaches him a number of uh, two crucial attacks. Uh, one is the Kaioken, which is, it's kind of like a, um, a precursor to going Super Saiyan, which I'm sure many of you are aware of. But it's just a way of Goku powering up, you know. And he can do, uh, you know, he's got like kind of like a red key that emanates around him when he does it. And he can do KO Ken or he can do KO Ken times two. But you're pushing it if you do KO Ken times three. So basically when he does KO Ken, it's like he's um, what's what's the term? It's like he's he's like kind of leveraging against his own like uh, well-being. It's like he's a. it's almost like a like a credit line, you know. If he's if he uses too much of it, it starts to hurt his credit score, and his credit score in this case is just like his physical well being. You don't want to you don't want to use Ko Ken willy nilly, and if you do it times three or more, you're you're in dangerous territory. That's gonna that's gonna do numbers on your HP. You know, you're you're spreading yourself thin if you're doing that. Um, you're 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 um, you know. If you go to Kaoken three or higher, you're really running the risk of mortgaging your future, mortgaging your physical well-being. Um, so he learns how to do that. It's kind of like a short burst of power. He's like temporarily 
for, for a few moments, uh, super powerful, you know, but he can only use it so much and he oughtn't abuse it because he can fuck up his shit. And the other thing he learns how to do is, uh, becomes a signature move is, uh, the spirit bomb. And the spirit bomb is when Goku casts his hands up in the sky and he creates uh, a, a ball of energy, you know, basically like an atomic bomb that derives its power from nature and other people. You know, like Goku is summoning the energy. He gets it from the, the trees and the grass and nature and this or that. And later in the series, you know, like... Uh, the, the people of Earth, uh, others, other Z fighters. Uh, and by the end of the series, people from different planets will, will put their hands up into the air and they'll donate their energy to the spirit bomb. Um, the spirit bomb is used at uh, three different pivotal moments in the series and it gets bigger and bigger because more and more people contribute to it um, as the series rolls on. And Goku's villains get more powerful um, and he gets more well-connected and uh, gets a a better platform from which to request energy. But anyway, he learns how to do the spirit bomb too. Um, And all right. Uh, So in the meanwhile, um, Goku, fuck, uh, Vegeta and Nappa are traveling in their little space pods to land on Earth. They also have a filler sewed. I, I don't remember it very well, but they just kind of make a pit stop on a planet uh, or maybe some kind of like uh, just like just spacecraft and they kill everybody, whatever. But eventually they land on Earth and they are greeted by the Z fighters and Goku. He is brought back to life by the Dragon Balls at like um, Roshi's Island, um, but he still has to fucking he has to travel back through Snake Way to get to that uh, that checkpoint, the kind of uh, purgatory port authority. He has to get there to go back to Earth. So he is racing down Snake Way. But in the meanwhile, the Saiyans, Vegeta and Nappa are already there, and they have to fight. They're looking for Kakarot. Where's Goku? But we got Piccolo, Gohan, Krillin, Yamcha, and uh, uh, Tien and Shiatsu. They're there. So they're going to try and basically hold the fort until Goku arrives. You know, they're like, because they know Goku's going to bring the heat, but they have to, they have to bide time. And so Vegeta and Nappa, um, they're like, you guys are so fucking weak. They've got their scouters. It's like, I'm not even going to deign to fight you. Not until I know that I have to. So first we're going to use just these guys that we tend to use on certain planets here and there. Uh, they, they start Napa. He starts, he takes like a vial from his pocket and he starts planting these seeds in the ground. And they're like, wait till you fucking see these guys. And what starts growing out of the ground are just these like awful cabbage gremlins. Uh, Lloyd would like them. <laughs> uh, and they're called Cybermen. And they're just kind of like, ah, fuck you. <laughs> and they're just kind of basically like these, these like, uh, these like Chia pet interns of the Saiyans, you know, I like to think all of the listeners of feeling well pod and our followers on Twitter, you're all just kind of like our Cybermen. You're all just kind of like our gruesome green, uh, goblin henchmen. And, uh, apparently the Saiyans, when they got to just kind of, 
you know, when, when they're on a, an easy mode planet, they're like, eh, we can probably kind of phone this in and just plant a few Cybermen or there'll be like reinforcements. They'll, they'll, they'll assist in the genocide nominally, you know, like on the margins. But when there's someone who's actually, you know, who, who, who is capable of testing our metal, that's when we'll, that's when we'll step up. And in the meanwhile, eh, just let the fucking Cybermen do it. You know, again, they're kind of like the little cabbage monster unpaid interns uh plant and water as needed of the saiyans and so we got these cybermen right and uh yamsha steps up to the plate and he's like even i can handle these little fuckers and he starts fighting the cybermen you know yamsha this is before yamsha quickly becomes completely irrelevant within the dragon ball z universe he he figured more largely in dragon ball um but even then he be like everyone just like he's like the weakest of the z fighters he's quickly exceeded in power by everybody else but like this is his time to shine right and he's fighting the cyberman it's just one-on-one for some reason, instead of all-out war, this happens frequently in DBZ just to kind of like, you know, stretch everything. They like opt to do just like tournament-style one-on-one battles. So it's Yamcha and Cyberman 1. And he's fighting him, he's fighting him, he does this and that. And uh, he does a, a special attack and leaves the Cyberman charred in a crater. And he's like, there. Uh, I got him. Consider your little cabbage monster fucking goblin intern cocked. And people are like, hey, all right, Yamcha, you know, we got, all right, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good so far. And uh, Yamcha's like, thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm not the strongest, but these Cybermen got got them, got you know. They're green. They're going to be green with envy. As he's saying this, the Cyberman is, is twitching. They're going to be green with envy at how uncucked I am. Not and the, Oh, ah, the Cyberman, he's not dead yet. He leaps out of his crater and and latches onto Yamcha. And then he starts glowing red and he's like, ah, fuck you. Fuck you, you're fucked, cock. And Yamcha's like, oh, good, what on? Everyone's like, Yamcha, no. And the Cyberman self destructs. He blows himself up, latched onto Yamcha. And when the smoke settles, we see in a new crater. Yamcha's smoked corpse. The first casualty of the battle with the Saiyans. The Cyberman was, you know, he was just, I guess they're like inherently blackpilled. They don't give a shit. They'll blow. I respect it. That's me. Really. I will self-destruct to take out an enemy. All right. I'll do that. I respect that. I have that impulse. So this Cyberman, he, you know, his trump card was blowing himself up to kill Yamcha. Uh, and they're like, shit, shit just got real. I know we can bring him back with the Dragon Balls, but it's still a bummer when somebody dies. Uh, and then Krillin, who, you know, basically everyone assumes Krillin is a cuck, but Krillin is so enraged by the killing of Yamcha that he does a certain attack. He's, and he like shoots this energy blast into the air that then disperses. And then it, it, it disperses into these uh, different spun off energy blasts that chase down each of the remaining Cybermen and ends up killing them all and destroying the rest. Um, which 
you know, why even introduce the Cybermen if they're going to be like done away with that quickly? I mean, the Cybermen are in the manga. This is not purely filler, but just from like a story standpoint, like it doesn't really advance the story forward. It kills one guy and then just like Krillin is able to kill the rest of them. Like what's I, I don't I guess it doesn't matter. But then they're like, yeah, good job, Krillin. And then uh, with the Cybermen gone, Nappa steps up to the plate. And Nappa is... So we got Vegeta and Nappa. Vegeta is like... A, he's a little guy. All right? He's manly. He's a short king, to use the parlance of today. With like an extreme widow's peak. And he's like got kind of this... His voice changes in the series, but he's got like kind of a slightly... Like kind of a feet tone of voice. I am Vegeta. You know, it, it sounds more like that later in the series, but it starts out kind of more like this. And Nappa sounds like this. And Nappa's a big bear of a man. You know, he's bald with a Van Dyke. Um, and he's very muscular. Um, and, you know, he's kind of more of a braggart than Vegeta. You get the sense that Vegeta is like the quiet, smaller one, like kind of the archetype of the like, all right, he's definitely the more powerful one. He's definitely sitting on something and Nappa's the one who likes to blow a lot of smoke. Um, But then Nappa steps up to the plate and he's going to start fighting him. And the first one he challenges is Tien. Now Tien, some of you with a passing knowledge of the... um, of the franchise may know he's bald and he has an, a third eye on his forehead that's tn and he starts fighting napa and uh he's getting his shit kicked in and eventually napa just just through, with a karate chop very clean severs one of tn's hands and he's like fuck you know and i think actually in the like original english dub there's like a, a line where he says like, don't worry, it'll grow back. And it's like, well, hands don't grow back. It's not, it hasn't been established beforehand that TN for whatever reason has the ability to regenerate like Piccolo, but that's just something I remember that was kind of funny. But then, all right, he's down a hand. That's not good. He starts kicking the shit out of TN. TN is, is n- nearly incapacitated. But then someone flies onto Nappa's back and it's, Chiaotzu and Chiaotzu is it's never established what his species is you know he 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 has the proportions of a little kid but he has skin that is is white like like actually literally white and he's got like these red circles on his cheek he's got like this weird like kind of doll affect like these these like big saucer eyes very just he kind of looks like you know like those He's got like the manner, like, you know, those like real girls or those like more advanced like sex dolls. It's like that, but like a little boy. He's got just this uncanny, vacant quality. And um, uh, he, he he's like devoted to Tien. It's not clear what their history is. But he's like, Tien, I'll save you. He's got like a baby voice. Very perverse. But he flies onto Napa's back. And then he starts glowing and it's like, what the fuck? Everyone's got the ability to fucking self-destruct around here. He's planning to self-destruct and Tian's like, Chao Tzu, no. And he's like, I love you, Tian. I'm doing this for you. And Nappa's like, he, he's on the part of his back. He can't reach. He's like, ah, ah, convulsing. Boom, explosion, blows up. Smoke settles. I hate to break it to you. Nappa's fine. 
all right his his kinky armor is scuffed a little bit here and there but it had no effect and the z fighters are starting to despair but then tn this happens a lot in dbz like someone will die or be hurt and then another person gets so angry it makes them more powerful it's really a series about about exploiting your anger just getting angry enough that you can you can exceed yourself and then tn he's he gets so angry that he starts to do his his signature attack just this other energy blast thing and uh but he's like you know he's fatally wounded so he's like putting all of his energy into this attack so much so that his life source will be sapped you know he's risking death but he does this blast you know he puts everything he's got into it he's motivated by by the pain of chiaotzu his little his little sidekick bitch boy sacrificing himself for nothing fighting this alien greek guy and he shoots the energy blast smoke settles folks again napa is fine but this time like all of his armor is gone all of his clothes are gone except for his boots and like his uh banana hammock a lot of like the more injured a character gets the more naked they are in dbz it's it's got a very much uh, a homoerotic undercurrent very homoerotically charged so now we're seeing napa's uh, really exquisitely sculpted yoke physique with like some you know just like some dirt and scuff marks here and there but he's otherwise fine it's like damn both of you cucks struck out and then tn he's so sapped of his power that he also dies and it's like fuck what a bloodbath you know three cucks in, in short order done away with Yamcha, Chiaotzu, and Tien. And uh, we still got both the damn Saiyans to uh, to deal with. And then, all right, who do we got? We got Krillin, Piccolo, and Gohan. And they're all basically fighting Nappa at once, you know, this and that. Oh, I think there's actually, there's a, there's a, there's like a filler episode where they're like, look, who we really want to fight is Kakarot. You say he's coming, right? He's like, yeah, he's coming. And meanwhile, Goku's running, running, just flying down Snake Way. And they're like, all right, we'll give you guys one hour. And there's literally an episode where the Saiyans, who are the villains, elect to wait for one hour for Goku. <laughs> Why they would do this, I don't know. And uh, Gohan, Piccolo, and Krillin, they're all just kind of sitting there, sitting around and hanging out. This is like a whole episode where they're not doing anything uh this is how shameless they were in creating filler to pad out the series but anyway that hour is up and um and uh goku hasn't shown up yet uh so then they're back to fighting nappa and then eventually nappa reaches a point where he's done fucking around right and he kicks krillin in the head in a way that like kind of paralyzes krillin or just or just uh, you know incapacitates him that happens a lot like you know there's like the narrative baggage of like krillin is very weak but he's still here to help so like a villain will like ko him with one move so he's not unconscious but he's like ah. I, I think he like the, the implications that he like paralyzes him by like kicking him in the neck and he's like oh sorry guys i'm cooked and then he like beats the shit out of piccolo to the extent that gohan gets very angry once again, a recurring theme. Uh, uh, leaning into your anger makes you a more powerful Z fighter. That Gohan, you know, he puts his hand to his head and he does Piccolo's signature move, Masenko. You know, that presumably Piccolo taught him during their training. He goes, Masenko, ha! 
and he shoots a huge energy blast that hits Nappa, and it actually kind of fucks up his shit a little bit. Like, he's mostly fine, but you can tell it, like, fucking hurt. And then Nappa's so angry that he fires a big energy blast at Goku in kind, but then Piccolo gets up, throws himself in front of Gohan, and, and shields him from the blast. Piccolo sacrifices himself to save the son of who was previously considered his enemy, Goku. And this kind of coronates the special bond that Piccolo and Gohan have. It's like, damn, this guy who was previously a villain sacrificed himself to save the hero's kid. That's fucking beautiful. And he's dying, and he's all fucking burnt up, and Gohan's like, Piccolo, no. And he's like, yeah. Never would have thought I'd sacrifice my life to save Goku's son. <laughs> Take it easy, kid. And then he dies. Um. Oh, actually, that's probably what motivated the Masenko, ha. Huh? Whatever. But, like, just as Nappa is, like, closing in, finishing off Gohan, who finally shows up? Goku. Goku shows up. He gives what's known as a sensu bean, which is like a bean you can eat to restore your energy. He gives one to Gohan. He gives one to Krillin. They're restored. And Krillin's like, yeah, Goku, Yamcha, Tien, Shoutsu, Piccolo. They're all dead. And Goku's like, shit. That's, you know, that's a bummer. I've died myself. It wasn't the end of the fucking world, but it's shitty that you guys are so weak. He doesn't say that, but... And then he sets about fighting Nappa... And he's like kicking the shit out of him. He's like too fast. Nappa can't land a blow. And then um, he's fighting him and he's fighting him. And then at one point, Goku decides to do the KO Ken, right? And then he like turns red and he like kicks the shit out of Nappa and throws him down onto the ground. And like Nappa is, is he can't move. He's, he's, he's got his shit kicked in. And uh, Goku's like, he's injured. He can't fight anymore. I have no desire to, to kill you, but this is your last warning to get off this planet. And then Nappa, he's like reaching out to Vegeta, and he's like, Vegeta, help me. And Vegeta's like, you want me to help you, Nappa? Sure. And he like extends his hand, and Nappa grabs his hand, and he's like, ah, thank you, friend. And then Vegeta's like, of course, friend. And then Vegeta th- throws him into the air. Nappa goes flying through the sky. And he's like, ah, what are you doing? And then Vegeta's like, you're a cuck. I have no use for you anymore. And he's like, Vegeta, wah! And then Vegeta shoots an energy blast and just totally disintegrates Nappa. And Goku and the Z fighters are like, what fuck? This guy fucking incinerated his own man because he was he got cucked by Goku this dude fucking means business and then Vegeta squares up and he's like Kakarot now you will be cucked and it's it's down to Goku and Vegeta mano y mano Saiyan versus Saiyan which I think will prove to be quite the battle but uh, that's about time for now this was our second installment of Dragon Ball Z for memory. And, um, you know, folks, I feel good. It felt good to do this, you know? I hope that you 
in the form of listening to this podcast or drinking or playing video games or beating off, find your own sensu bean, your own, your own crutch that will, that will restore you and keep you regular, keep you sane as you, as you endure this crisis, as you, you know, if you're, if you're self quarantining, help you through that. Uh, I am very brave for continuing to podcast through the quarantine. As I said, I am comparable to a first responder, comparable to a Saiyan. I'm a super Saiyan. I'm just a really good guy, a thousand times braver than any troop. And on that note, I'd like to wish you well, and uh, I look forward to next time. Kamehameha. Kakeke de Kurio, Apuido Mo.